So, Thelma Golden, we are here in the Michael Rosenfeld Gallery to talk about one of our favorite treasured artists, Alma Thomas. And when we decided to come together, we knew that we had to be in the presence of her work. Mm -hmm. And so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, we're going to have a big, broad conversation about uh, Alma Thomas and her genius. It really is a pleasure to be in the presence, always, of Alma Thomas's work. And I've been thinking about what it is to have pretty much lifelong relationships to artists and their work. And so I wonder if you remember your first encounter with Alma Thomas's work. Yes, I remember my first encounter as if it were yesterday, because in so many ways, it's so connected to who I am today. I first encountered Alma Thomas's work in reproduction in a catalog, which was an exhibition of about 20 or 30, perhaps a few more works, I discovered not just those artworks, but the artists. And I was immediately, immediately consumed. I was so moved by her story and I was mesmerized by her artwork. So from that moment, it felt like Alma Thomas was an artist who would in many ways lead me mm. into my path as a curator. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think about Washington. I mean, this is a whole conversation. So I grew up in Washington, D.C. And when I think about first encountering her work, I don't remember a moment. I remember an ambience mm -hmm. um, that she was a name that you always knew. Um, I'm certain that I saw work at the Corcoran. I probably saw work with my mother at Barnett Aden. Yes. So, you know, with that gallery and, and Washington and its black art spaces, mm -hmm. I think that must have been a spot. Mm -hmm. And as far as her civic life, I always thought about her in her school teacher life. Right. And her long years at Shaw Elementary. Mm -hmm. And to me, Alma Thomas was a familiar sort to me. Uh, she was, was like my grandmother, um, also someone who came from the South, Alma Thomas, Georgia, my grandmother, Alabama, Alma Thomas a little earlier. She went to Armstrong High School. My grandmother went to Dunbar High School. But all of my grandmother's friends from high school became DC public school teachers. Mm -hmm. And they were incredible ladies. Mm -hmm. And so in, in, in reading, in preparation for our time together, reading that Alma Thomas wrote about the use of marionettes yes. in education yes. for her teacher's college, right. master's mm -hmm. in, in arts education, mm -hmm. I thought about what it meant to bring all those treasures and cultural richnesses mm -hmm. to DC public school students, to black children, right. and to say that their lives should be rich and filled with beauty. Exactly. And that's what fascinated me about her. She had a very 20th century life for a black woman. Mm -hmm. I grew up as well among my mother's friends mm -hmm. for whom teaching yes. was their move into the professional class. And I grew up with women who were school teachers, black women. And that work didn't end at the end of the school day That's right. because they were also the women who were our Sunday school teachers mm -hmm. who were, you know, involved in community organizations. Mm -hmm. They always saw their role as leaders in the community, knowing how important education was and could be right, mm -hmm. for young black people. So her life as a teacher also uh, was incredibly inspiring because I could only imagine 
who she was to those students yes. and, you know, that long career and how many students she touched. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And reading about and seeing pictures of her self-presentation, again, to yeah. the genre of the ladies. Completely. <laughs> you know, the, the photographs from, you know, the various openings, you know, that we've all seen where not only, you know, do we get the sense of her real physical power, right? Mm -hmm. That, you know, she had this incredible presence, but also her incredible style, mm -hmm. right? And how that style clearly was also a manifestation of that sense of creativity mm -hmm. that came out in the artwork, but also the way in which she lived her life. Yes, yes. How do you think about, I was fascinated to read about her mother's dressmaking mm -hmm. and about her bringing some of those techniques and tools and understandings into especially the line making yes. in the work. Mm -hmm. You are so um, intrinsically involved in the lives of countless artists, living artists, who you work with so closely. Can you kind of fantasize for a moment about Alma Thomas in the studio and about her practice and what you have read about it and know about it? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I have thought about that and I can't imagine. It's something I wish I had the opportunity to see because as a curator, so much of what I know about artists comes from the opportunity of seeing their work being made, watching how they make it, thinking about, you know, what it is they are thinking about. But what I can say when you look at the expanse of the work, and you watch how it formally shifts and transforms, mm -hmm. how she came to her vocabulary, yes. but perfected it, you see a practice where there's an incredible amount of rigor mm -hmm. and what I imagine was an incredible work ethic mm -hmm. that created what is this incredible body of work. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And to that evolution um, into her language, uh, it seems that it, it kind of burst into being, but over time. over time. And so some of those, well, how would you describe the earlier work and then this style that we see right here? She was um, ingesting and really digesting, right? A full sense of mid-century mm -hmm. art and abstraction. But she also was someone who was taking an equal amount of inspiration from the world. Mm -hmm. right? And I think the way that those spaces collide in the work and the way we have indication from them, not always from the images, but from the titles, really is what I think defines um, her path into this kind of very signature work mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that she created. You know, I mean, her, her artistic voice is so singularly mm. unique mm -hmm. and her hand Right? The presence yes. of it. You know, when you look, one of the great pleasures, of course, of these works is to, you know, um, to, to look at them from a distance mm -hmm. and understand them fully compositionally, but then to get close to them. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and to see the physical sense of the brushstroke and, mm -hmm. and the, uh, the, and imagining again, the way in which that brushstroke really forms the language of her work. It's, mm. it, it's incredible. And it's why, you know, her works remain um, fascinating to me mm -hmm. over mm -hmm. time. Well, and with tremendous, I mean, I think the word I think about the most with her work is energy. Yes. Like literally, you know, fuel, power, the thing that emanates from these canvases that is so extraordinary. And that I think also you know, her use of color yes. being part of the mature style. What do you see in, in that, her, her boldness with color? Well, that's it. I mean, she was courageous. And I think that what you see in these choices of color is a sort of courage, 
but also a passion for what I see in the work, which is this evidence of a life force. Mm. Evidence Mm. of a life force, a force that is informed by nature, right? Mm -hmm. And the life force we encounter in the natural world, but also one because, again, we know that she was deeply inspired by nature, but also incredibly inspired by space Mm -hmm. and space travel. And I find that also incredibly fascinating. Oh, yes. Her ideas and the way in which her fascination, right, which led to the space paintings, but with space, with the unknown, the uncharted. Right? Mm-hmm. the yet to be seen or understood in visual form, that that also informed the way in which she created these, these works. It, is, it feels, it feels yeah. brand, brand new. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I was thinking uh, also about the incredible treasures. Her ar- archive at the Smithsonian Archive is, is tremendous. It, it, it uh, is. I mean, really, really filled with stuff. Um, what do you think, I'm thinking about the archival possibilities to scholars yeah. and to people who are simply interested, mm-hmm. and we see a lot of that being mined in, yes. in the work right now. Oh, I think there's so much. I mean, you know, what I hope for, what I wish for, and I know there's probably some young scholar ready to do this, but I, I want to read her biography. Yes. I want to read her biography. I really, I mean, and again, her story, we know these sort of wonderful points. First graduate of the art department at Howard, Mm -hmm. you know, the long teaching career at Shaw, legendary school, you know, her involvement with the founding of Barnett Hayden Mm -hmm. Gallery, her engagement in the civil rights movement, including, you know, her presence at, you know, the March on Washington, but also her presence in the day-to-day work, Mm -hmm. right, that so many in that era were involved with. You know, being the first black woman to have an exhibition at the Whitney Museum of American Art. I mean, I took that as a fact that I held in my head and my heart every single day. I Mm, worked at the Whitney mm, Museum. mm -hmm. The idea of her presence and that history um, there. So I hope for that the archive, her archive at the Smithsonian, her the archives in, you know, Columbus, Georgia, I hope that someone will write a biography of this great woman and and tell the full story of mm. her life, you know, that you see in what's there in the archive. You know, the moment in New York, something I've always been fascinated, you know, her going to teacher's college and the way in which while she did that uh, graduate program, that she also was engaging, right, in art and artists here in New York. You know, I wonder about her New York time and what that was and what that meant to her and how it informed. I also think about the fact that, you know, she was an artist who worked in her home. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if that has some to do also with the richness of her archive, right? Because the mm. separa- there was very little separation oh, that's interesting. for her yeah. mm. between her work and her life. Mm-hmm. But I also, because she lived and worked, you know, in that home, I also feel a biography would tell us some of the story of what I always imagined was her deep and rich inner life. Oh, yes. Oh, well, now I want to read that book I, immediately. I, I, I do as well. Oh, yes. Well. And those years, I um, have my, my, my mother on the case yes. um, because those years at Teachers College, um, 1930 to 1934, there were a lot of fascinating, mm. I mean, Charles Alston was mm-hmm. studying there and lots of black people in the medical yes. school, in the school of social work, yes. throughout the university. It was kind of a moment. Yes. Um, Zora Neale Hurston yes. was, was there exactly. at the time. Exactly. So, so I, like, did I, they meet? Did they meet? Did, well, did they meet? And I think that what we can assume um, is that 
They probably, probably did. did. Exactly. They probably exactly. did. I mean, I figure if black people who are a few in a large exactly. institution can find their way to each other today, yes. that certainly then exactly. um, they would have. And exactly. that whole milieu exactly. is very important and very, very interesting. Yes. I think about this so much with artists of her generation and before, what it took for them even to be artists. Oh, my goodness, yes. Right? The circumstance with which they had to pursue being an artist mm -hmm. and what that took. And so, you know, I think that what the archive would allow us is a deeper sense of what that meant. And I know that there's so much about that that would tell us so much, even about what it means to be an artist today. Yes, yes. And, you know, I have a sense that she was relatively unguarded. You know, with some mm -hmm. folks, creative people, mm -hmm. you have a sense that there are many secrets mm -hmm. uh, that you're going to have to work mm -hmm. to, to, to dig up. Yes. Um, and I feel like, on the contrary, in her case, and as you say, I'm fascinated with that idea of like having everything in the house. Yes. It's not disturbed. It's just there mm -hmm. waiting. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I think also about thinking about Alma Thomas as a great migrant. Yes. Uh, and, you yes. know, the oft quoted, you know, that her mother says, knock the Georgia dust off your shoes exactly. and make yourself anew here in Washington. Exactly. But yet the memories of the water, the land, the color uh, right. of Georgia mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. completely right. in her, exactly. um, even as she becomes a very sophisticated city subject. That's right. Um, so uh, those folks are interesting because they 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 carry a lot of memory That's right. with them through tremendous transition. Right. And I think that all those memories often come out in the work. And I think we see that across that generation, right? That generation of migrants that moved to Washington, New York, Chicago, you know, LA, you know, all North and West, how much those places remained a way in which they understood themselves and the way in that came out perhaps more often than not is in the work itself, mm. you know? So our understanding of that great migration, of course, we often think about quite literally through the great works of Jacob mm -hmm. Lawrence, but I see it across the work yes. of a whole generation of black artists. Mm. Uh, and then of course we have to talk about um, bringing the painting to the White House. What was that whole process and story? Well, it was a great honor and privilege to serve on the Committee for the Preservation of the White House. Being able to work among the committee and with, you know, First Lady, Mrs. Obama, in thinking about the White House collection, very, very quickly, it became clear to me to consider an Alma Thomas work for mm -hmm. the White House collection. There was already history. She visited the White House. Um, she went back at the invitation of Jimmy Carter around the time of the Corcoran exhibition. But just her life as a, you know, pretty much lifelong Washingtonian, but also her history as an educator and, you know, a member of that community, it felt as if this could be and should be an important possibility. And so, you know, the work Resurrection, which I had the occasion to see, the Michael Rosenfeld Gallery, became, it became so clear that there was a way that this work could be in conversation with that greater collection, but also would have a real singular place. So I was thrilled to be a part of making that happen, incredibly thrilled to see it placed mm. in the dining room, um, you know, among that room that was reimagined by Mrs. Obama with uh, Michael Smith. 
and to work with the then amazing White House curator, Bill Allman, to really not only bring that work in, but give it a place of pride. Yes. To have it, you know, sit in a way that it would be seen by people on the White House tours and hopefully, again, be a point of introduction as well as a point of inspiration. And, you know, the paintings really have true vibrational yes. pull. Yes. They really, really magnetize mm -hmm. um, a viewer. And so I think that, you know, to the White House tour point, um, I'm imagining children Yes. Uh, seeing yes. and just, you know, yes. wanting to step inside them, which is, I think, the, the, the magnetic pull is that strong. Yes. I don't, I don't want to just go up to them. Yes. I want to actually okay. inhabit them. Um, so there is that. And, um, and I think just finally, um, what I wanted to um, conclude with is uh, let's meditate on beauty yes. because she um, cared about beauty. Mm -hmm. And... I don't think, you know, I think with black artists, mm -hmm. that is sometimes seen as being outside of political, outside of duty. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think her understanding of beauty was actually outside of that, right? I mean, I think it was something profoundly um, soulful yes. uh, about um, that life force that should be and must be available to all that's around us if we will will look uh, that is a reason for living in the day that's and right. over the long run what, what what do you hear when she talks about her commitment to beauty I hear her commitment to beauty as actually a political act again I think of who she was who she was in the world the world she lived in and what it meant for her as an artist to say not only am I going to acknowledge beauty in the world at an almost spiritual level, mm. right? Like her, again, this, this fantastic um, fascination with nature, this absolute obsession with space and the unknown, but then to translate that and to have beauty be at the core of the work, mm. right? I think for her was a way to offer that to her viewers. You know, I think often because she also was an educator, she really thought about the fact that her works would live in public environments mm -hmm. and the experience of them would be an experience that individuals would have. And so I think that by offering beauty, offering that experience through the experience of the work, that she was also encouraging us all to understand the power of beauty in the face of so much else that we might encounter That's in the right. world. That is right. Well, we will end there, Miss Thelma Golden. A joy as always. Well, thank you, Elizabeth Alexander. Joy to talk to you, but also a joy to be in the presence, the, the life force yes. of these works. And also always, always, always to honor her memory. Yes. You know, as I've said, she, she made so much possible for yes. so many. And I think, you know, I am just heartened, you know, that in this moment that we continue to get to celebrate her and to show the real sense of power and possibility that was in her work and in her life. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you.